Let's get into the word. From where your life sits today, your future is full of potential and opportunity. I'm going to say that again. From where your life sits today, no matter what you came in here with, no matter how good or bad your life is, whether you're in a season of highs or you are in one of the worst seasons of your life, whether you made mistakes this week and regret and shame is filling your heart and mind, I'm telling you, you may have been laying in bed last night thinking about taking your own life. You are in, that, in such a place of darkness. I still want to tell you from where your life sits, right here, right now at 1025 a.m. in Las Vegas, Nevada, your future is full of potential and opportunity. Your best days are not behind you, they are in front of you. And I pray that the darkness and the pain of this world has not robbed you of your desire to pursue an amazing life, the abundant life, a peace-filled life. Now that statement in, in my world is not just another preacher statement. That statement is something the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was in a season of darkness. Years ago, my family, my wife and I, we went through a period of four or five years that, to put it honestly, was awful. In that period of time, we had a miscarriage where we thought we were going to have our first child, and it didn't happen. After that, my wife got a wrong diagnosis of the type of miscarriage she had, and they told her that she was going to have to have six months of chemotherapy. Now, after several months of getting second, third, fourth, and I don't remember how many opinions we had to get, we found out that the diagnosis was wrong. And when she had the miscarriage, the doctor just didn't do the procedure right. Follow that up during that season. I had my fourth, fifth, and sixth back surgery. I was in constant pain. Morning, noon, and night. No matter what, I was in pain. The question was not, will I be in pain today? It was just what level of pain I would be in. And if you know anything about chronic pain, you know that it does not just affect your physical body, but over time, it will wear on you mentally, emotionally, and dare I say, even spiritually. And some of you are nodding your head because you've been there. Fast forward a year, year and a half, we finally have a baby to be followed up with my, oh, thank you. But the week before we have our baby, my mom was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. So high met with a low. Five months later, she would be in heaven. After that season, I found myself in what now I look back and recognize was a depression. During the time, I didn't realize I was depressed because I was still functioning at a high level in my life. When she passed away, I took on the reins of leading our church along with my sister, started preaching, of course had to be a dad and a husband 
and a leader and a, a, a pastor and a friend. But in my soul, I was in darkness. I was overeating. To tell you the truth, I was numb to life. Have any of you ever felt that way? I was going through the emotions, trying to encourage myself by encouraging people. I would get on a stage and find myself preaching to myself. And people would amen and be helped, but I wouldn't. One day I was driving home from work and just frustrated and hurting. I had some worship music on and I started praying. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Jared, from where your life sits today, your future is full of potential and opportunity. And when the Holy Spirit said that to me, it reached into the deepest depths of my soul and something came back alive in my spirit. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do. So I ask you today, do you still feel a sense of wonder towards life? Are you excited about the coming days? Or has the enemy, the world system, robbed you of your excitement? The night Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord declared over the earth, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now that's always struck me that God declared peace because do we agree that the angel would have declared whatever God told him to? Right? Do we agree on that? He would have declared faith or hope or love or, or forgiveness or whatever. The, the angel was not just out there winging it. Like, well. <laughs> he didn't like draw a word out of the hat. Oh, peace, cool. Yeah, I like peace. No, no, no. This was a very intentional moment. This was the night that the Messiah was coming to the earth to bring salvation beyond the Jews, and into any person who would believe. And on this night, God the Father declared peace on earth. Colossians 3 verse 15 says that you are called to live a life of peace. You know, Pastor Shannon and Jabin, Omar, Jeff, all this team could tell you that we get this question a lot as ministers. Hey, Pastor, what's my calling? What's my calling in life? Can I tell you? what your calling is, your calling is to live a life of peace. God has called you to live a life of peace and he has declared onto your life peace and goodwill. Now the question of course is what does that mean? What does peace mean? There's five primary definitions in the New Testament of what peace is when God declared this over, over your life and I'm gonna give you the, what I believe are the two most important ones. The first one is exactly what you would think it is, and that is tranquility for your heart and mind. So he declared, the night Jesus was born, that you can, and let me say this, and you will live a life where your heart is guarded, and it is steady, and it is filled with hope 
and faith for your future and your mind is disciplined to think the right thoughts, believe the right beliefs, and therefore speak the right words over your life. Amen? And you can go to bed and sleep peacefully. You can remove that anxiety, that depression, that darkness, and you can live in tranquility in your soul. The second definition takes it from one very specific area that regards anxiety and shame and regret and depression and expands it to every area of our life. And that's what's so powerful about this message because it actually applies to everybody. And the second definition is this. The night Jesus was born, God declared over you and over me, over our children, over our grandchildren, over every person that has made Jesus Lord of their life, he declared health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Isn't that amazing? Health. Yes, God wants you to be healthy. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. God wants you to be healthy. Jesus was made sick so that you can be healed. Welfare. He wants you to live well. How can we give glory to God if our lives are all broken and shattered all the time? We're supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Amen? It is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And how do people see the goodness of God? Through us. Amen? Health, welfare, prosperity. Yes, God wants you to prosper. I know some of you think, oh, here we go, these prosperity preachers. <laughs> Y'all, I'm just going to tell you, go read your Bible. You cannot come to any conclusion other than God wants you to prosper. But hear me, he wants you to prosper for the right reasons. God told Abraham, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. Amen. He said, go feed the hungry, clothe the naked. That's why we give groceries out every Saturday here at City Light, because we're not just blessed. We are here to be a blessing. But church, you can't be a blessing if you're not blessed. You cannot give what you don't have. Amen? So yes, God wants you to prosper for the right reasons. And all kinds of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Why don't you say it with me? Health, welfare, prosperity, every kind of good. One more time. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Now you without me. Now, I've turned this into a prayer because sometimes I don't know what to pray. So I just say things like this. God, as I go to work today, I pray that health, welfare, prosperity, and all kinds of good are meeting me there. God, as a dad, I pray that I'm functioning in health, welfare, prosperity, and all kinds of good for my kids. God, I pray over my kids, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good while they're at school and with their friends. God, I pray over my church, health, welfare, prosperity, every kind of good. God, I pray over City Light right now, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that is the easiest prayer to pray, and it pretty much encompasses everything about your life. Amen? God, I receive health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Now we understand, though, that we have an enemy, and the enemy does not want us to live the life God wants us to enjoy. 
First Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. The thief goes around like a roaring lion. Not a lion, like a lion. There is a lion in the Bible. It is not Satan. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus, and he reigns victorious, okay? <laughs> Satan's trying to front like he's got the power of the lion. He's trying to deceive you to believe that he has authority over you. And it says he's seeking whom he may... Devour. Now, when you're reading your Bible, you got to pay attention to words. It doesn't say seeking whom he can devour. Does anybody remember growing up in school and you'd raise your hand up, teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And they'd be like, I don't know. Can you? Like, God bless you, teachers. We love you. We thank God for you, and you should make more money. But for real, you know what we're saying. Sorry, teacher. May I go to the restroom? Yes, you may. You know what? I'm glad they taught us things like that, though. Because Satan wants to, you to think that he can devour you, but he cannot. The only way Satan can devour you, can destroy you, can ruin your life is if you let him. May means you have to be given permission. So to, to that scripture, I say... Satan, no, you may not. You may not have my mind. You may not have my heart. You may not have my soul. You may not have my marriage. You may not have my kids. You may not have my family. You may not have my employees. You may not have my volunteers. You will not have my church. You can stay out in the cold by yourself. Go find someone else to mess with. But as for me and my house, Satan, you will not have authority over me. I will not be broken. I will not be lost. I will not live in despair. I will not be hopeless. I am a child of the Most High God. I have the authority over you. It is my faith that gives me the victory over you. And I will not be defeated. And I declare over you, you will not be defeated. You will overcome whatever the enemy has brought into your life. You will not stay bound in alcoholism, in depression, in anxiety, in panic, in hopelessness. From where your life sits today, your future is filled with potential and opportunity. Can somebody give God a shout of praise in his church? 3 John 1 verse 2 says, I pray that you prosper. Wait a minute, we've seen that. I pray that you have peace and be in health even as your soul prospers. Please understand, there is a daily battle taking place for rule of your soul. And the condition of your soul, hear me, determines the condition of your life. I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Your soul will determine the conditions of your life. Of course it will, will because the soul is your heart and mind. Your soul will choose your attitude. It will choose your response. It will choose the direction you go in. It will choose fear or faith, hope or disappointment. It will choose whether or not you run to God or away from God. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it will determine the issues, the boundaries of your life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and life and death is in the power of your tongue. So your life goes as your soul goes. 
We cannot underestimate the importance of a healthy soul. So we must learn how to foster a healthy soul through the call of peace on our lives. Amen? As I was driving home that day, the Lord made another statement to me. He said, Jared, the most important thing in your life is not what has happened to you. It's what's happening on the inside of you. The most important thing in your life is not what has happened to you. What has happened to you should not be given authority to rule your future. But it will if you allow it to rule you. Hasn't the pain caused... Have, Hasn't the tragedy caused you enough pain? Hasn't the hurt cut deep enough? When are we going to decide you don't get to control me anymore? Well, they hurt me. Okay, they hurt you. Stop letting them continue to hurt you. They're not thinking about you. You're thinking about them. So you're giving people who did not have your best interest in mind, authority over your present, even though they already damaged your past. Don't let them ruin your future. Amen? The most important thing is what's happening on the inside of you. Psalm 16, verse 7. I'm just going to share with you what I read when I got home that night. The psalmist speaking, he says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart will also instruct me in the night season. Oh, your heart will instruct you in the night season. The question is, will it instruct you in the right direction or the wrong direction? But it's going to instruct you. You have directions. It's just, are we going to go in a good path or a bad path? Then he says, but I have set the Lord before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. Okay, so we see that even in a night season, your heart can have joy. And my glory rejoices. My flesh will rest in hope. I love this. I love this. Get ready to shout. For you will not leave my soul in death. So we see here, that in a night season, what is the first thing we should do? Set the Lord before us. And if we will turn to the Lord, we can see that even while we're still in the night season, our hearts can be glad. And we know that God will not leave our souls in death. Turn with me to Psalm 142. Are you there yet? I'm there. Are you there? Hurry up, God. You didn't know I was going to Psalm 142? Come on, hurry up. We're not going to put this one on the screen. You have to, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so if you read this chapter, and we'll read it here in a moment, the only conclusion that you can come to is that David is depressed. There, there's, there's no other description. If you read it, modern day English would say David was depressed. I don't think that word existed back then, but we know it as depression. And I, from it, we can learn how to foster a healthy soul. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll break it down. It says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. 
With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication, my prayer. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. Watch this. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare before me. So now he's paranoid. I look on my right hand and see there is no one who acknowledges me. Now he says, I'm alone. I'm unappreciated. Refuge has failed me. Refuge has failed, except that Saul has been pursuing him at this point now, time and time again, and David can't recognize that the Lord has blinded Saul to find David. David can see Saul, Saul can't see David. But how many of you know darkness will make you believe things that don't even make sense? Have you ever had where you convinced yourself of stuff that couldn't happen even if you wanted it to happen? But that anxiety, that panic, that nervousness, that insecurity, it will talk you into believing things that couldn't come true even if you tried. It says, no one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, so I'm for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They are stronger than me. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous will surround me for you shall deal bountifully. Number one, fostering a prosperous soul. It's okay to cry out to God. First thing he says is I cry out to the Lord. I pour out my complaint. Church, can I tell you something? God wants your honesty. He welcomes it. It's okay to cry out to God. The Bible says that he hears the cry of the brokenhearted, that he is near to you when you cry out to him. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. God doesn't tell us that we can only come to him in the best days. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Except let's tell the truth. Too often, we don't turn or cry out to God first. We tend to cry out to our friends, to our spouse, to social media, to our coworkers. Then, when none of that works, we go, oh God, God, can you help? And if we're telling the truth, most of that time is even distracted. God, can you help me? I'm praying, Lord. I'm praying. Lord? And then we come to pastor and go, I don't know why I don't hear the voice of the Lord. God, Jabin, you said the Holy Spirit spoke to you, but he hasn't spoken to me. Our lives are so noisy. They're so busy. The Bible says, be still to know that I am God. 
But the truth is, especially in a time of hurt or a time of a night season like David, the last thing we want to do is cry out to God. Because we want sympathy. We want the aww. Amen? We read articles instead of reading our Bible. We listen to our friends instead of listening to the Word. We keep up with the Raiders, with the Kardashians, <laughs> with politics, instead of keeping up with the Holy Spirit. I wonder what would happen if we would turn to God first and cry out to Him first. Could we preempt a lot of the pain and the hurt and the suffering and the torment? Amen? Amen. He says, I declare before him my trouble. Church, trouble's going to come. It comes. It comes from the world. I mean, right now we've got trouble all around. Gas prices are too high to even speak of. Your grocery bill is doubled, if not tripled. Interest rates are going up, inflation. We've got a war going on. And guess what? This time next year, there'll be something else. A couple years ago, it was a pandemic. Before that, it was other things. Trouble will come. Might come nationally like those things. A lot of times, to tell you the truth, trouble comes from ourselves because we're all a little crazy still. And we make mistakes and we have bad days. And then there's consequences to that. Jesus said, I've spoken these things so that in me you will have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And that taking heart leads to the second point. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed. Verse 3 says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Man, life can be overwhelming. Through seasons of disappointment. We see it everywhere. We have a society that is anxious, that is burned out. I read recently that 44% of adults are experiencing burnout, and we're seeing it. They're calling it now the great resignation. People are walking in and quitting their jobs, and they have no idea how they're going to pay their mortgage. Companies can't get people to come to work. Every company is trying to hire people. 33% of adult Americans say that they now live with some form of constant anxiety or depression. That's one out of every third person. So if there's 250 people in here, that would mean that 80 of them are living with anxiety or depression constantly. What is it? We're allowing the world system of negativity of shame, of condemnation, of judgment, of being canceled to overwhelm us. And it's easy to do. There is so much disappointment in life, and the Bible says that unrelenting disappointment makes your heart sick. Trouble will come, but how are you going to respond to the trouble? Are you going to respond to the trouble with your covenant and your declaration of peace? Or are you going to respond to the trouble by turning and allowing fear to come into your life? See, David was overwhelmed, and then he says, 
They've set a snare before me. No one acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. And it's all a consequence of not responding to the situations of life the right way. And let me explain that. Every time you are feeling overwhelmed, every time disappointment comes, every time hurt, whatever it may be comes, your life comes to a crossroad. And you choose whether you will turn to God or you will turn away from God. Both responses require the same amount of effort, but the results are drastically different. The question is, on one path, fear, and on the other one is faith. And you have a choice to make. Are you going to run to God or are you going to run away from God? David ultimately runs to God. Amen? Now let me tell you this. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You want to know what that says to me? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me peace. But let me remind you of something. If God has not given you something, you don't have to accept it. Let me say it again. If God has not given you something, you as a child of God do not have to accept it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to receive it. And you don't have to allow your life to be ruled by it. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, nor has he given you a spirit of anxiety, of bondage, of shame, of regret, of hatred, of ignorance, of foolishness. God has not given you a spirit of fear. What he has given you is faith to stand on the calling of peace in your life. So if God has not given you something, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to be ruled by it. So I declare over you that you are free from depression. You are free from being overwhelmed. You are free from being burned out. You are free from living numb. You are going to rise up in faith and you are going to overcome the enemy. Can somebody say amen today? <laughs> Lastly, number three, remember God's promise. It took David seven verses, seven verses. And finally he says, for you will deal bountifully with me. The word bountifully means that God is faithful. And the word says that he is faithful over his word to perform it. And all of his promises are yes, and amen for us. One last scripture. Again, this is just where I went. This is Micah chapter seven. I love this. It says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Watch this. I love this. Hear this. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. In the Amplified Bible, it says, amongst my tragedies. Do not rejoice over me amongst my tragedies. Say it with me. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Church, sometimes you just have to simply remind yourself that God is faithful over his promises that God is with you, 
that when you feel like you are all alone, God never leaves you, nor does he forsake you. You don't have to walk through the night season. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, the psalmist said, for the Lord is with me. And even when I fall, I shall arise. Jesus is my stand up and my recovery. But Jared, it's so hard. Oh, but remind yourself that even in the hard things that the strength of God is given to you in your moments of weakness. And the apostle Paul wrote to us that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do the hard things. You can do the scary things. You can do the overwhelming things. You can do the things that go deep down into your soul and bring up all your insecurities. But through God, you can face it. You can overcome it. You can come out of that pit and walk into your freedom today. Because when I fall, even if the reason I fell is my own fault. Even if I sinned, if I was foolish, if I was ridiculous, if I tripped over my own feet, when I fall, I shall arise because the God of my salvation. See, sometimes I think we only think that God is our savior for eternity. City Light, God is your savior for a Tuesday afternoon. God is your savior on a Wednesday morning. He's not just your savior for eternity. Now that's the ultimate prize. But he's the God of your salvation on a Thursday. And when I fall, I shall arise. When darkness abounds towards me, when I sit in darkness, there is a light. And let me remind you, the light of Jesus cannot be put out by any darkness. City Light, I just want to declare over you today as the word says, you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are blessed in the city and you are blessed in the field. Everything you set your hand to do will prosper. You are a masterpiece. You are a royalty in the kingdom of heaven. You have the mind of Christ. You walk in his wisdom. You are called purpose and chosen to live in health welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. You can do all things. Your God shall supply all your needs. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You are not a loser, you are a winner. You are not a doubter, you are a believer. You are not a victim, you are a victor. You are not overcome, you are an overcomer because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Can somebody at City Light rise up in faith and give God a shout of praise this morning? Praise the Lord.